hey, this is Kenneth Capital Advantage Tutoring, and it's my job to get you past the Series 7 and the SA exam. So what I'm doing today is tips and tricks and all that, to all the little stupid sayings that I blurred out. I actually been trying to ask people what I say because a lot of shit I just spit out and they go, oh, it really resonated with me. So I'm going to put a whole video, hopefully it's going to be not too long and not too boring, but a whole video of all the shit I say and other, shit other people say just to help you get past the exam. We got this, kids. So let's get into this shit. Okay, so the whole point is these are little sayings that you can just run. Maybe you run it in your head, have it run in the background. Little things that may just, oh, that's right, I write. Get questions here and there, okay? So we're going to start. I'm going to try to organize it a little bit so it's like bonds and stuff like that. But I guess that's where I'm going to start. I'm going to start with bonds, okay? So remember something. So when we have bonds, right? So remember this as suitability when bonds go. Rich people buy munis. Poor people buy corporates. That's the big one. Rich people buy munis because they're tax-free. Poor people buy corporates because they don't have to worry about the taxes. And wimps buy treasuries. So remember, rich people buy munis. Poor people buy corporates, wimps buy treasuries. Good. Okay. Now, when we're talking about volatility, right? Always remember, long and low, baby. I, that's like my key phrase. Long and low, baby. What does that mean? That means that long-term bonds move more than medium and short-term bonds. And then low part means low coupon or low price. Low price bonds or low coupon bonds move more than the higher counterparts, right? So again, long and low, baby. Long-term bonds move the most and low coupon bonds move the most. Or you can even say low priced. So to keep that on, the lower the coupon, the deeper the discount, the more the bond will fluctuate. I didn't come up with that one, but I like that. The lower the coupon, the long and low is mine, baby. So like Dato 15, long and low, long-term bonds move more than short-term bonds and low coupon move more than medium or par or premium. But remember this, the lower the coupon, the deeper the discount, the more the bond will fluctuate. So remember that. The lower the coupon, the deeper the discount, the more the bond will fluctuate and zeros move the months, most. Thank you, Greco. That when I first started teaching, that's what they did. The lower the coupon, the deeper the discount, the more the bond will fluctuate. So keep in that mind. And remember, zeros move the most. Everyone forgets that. Zeros move the most. Good. Now, if you have a discount bond, all the yields are higher than that. Remember that. So if the way to recognize a discount bond, if the yield is higher than the margin, around the nominal or the coupon, right? So if the yields are higher, it has to be a discount. If the yields are lower, it has to be a premium. Ah, okay. So let's get on this. So if it's a discount bond, the yields are higher than the coupon which means you quote yield to maturity. If it, if the yields are lower than the coupon, then it has to be a premium and you quote yield to call. Okay, so that's it's a whole triangle in like a sentence. If the yields are higher than the coupon, it's a discount, you quote yield to maturity. If the yields are lower than the coupon, well, then it's a premium and you quote yield to call. If it's callable, right? Because you do the whole yield to worse crap. Okay, now remember, as far as accreting goes, this this is, everyone has like, like um, Achievable has a May Hammer, which I like. Past perfect has like all the, they have a whole different thing sayings. I try to make it real simple. Remember, OID you must accrete. So if it's an OID original issue discount, which means a zero coupon, OID you must accrete. OID you must accrete. So that means if it's an OID you have to accrete. But that means if it's a secondary market discount, you don't have to. You can, but you don't have to. Okay, so remember that OID you must accrete. Boom. So zero coupons. You have to accrete. Now, is it taxable or not? Eh. If it's a muni, that accretion is probably not taxable. But if it's a corporate or treasury, it is. And then you use that new accreted amount to decide if you have a capital gain or loss. Also, remember, if you hold the bond to maturity, you pay no capital gain or loss. Remember that. If you hold the bond to maturity, no capital gain or loss. That's another one, okay? OID, you must accrete. If you hold the bond to maturity, no capital gain or loss. That's for anything. And on the premium side, only munis have to amortize. Oh, so let's put that together. OID you must accrete and only premiums have to amortize. Okay. 
Only premium unis. I should say that. That's ridiculous. Okay, let me do that again. OID, you must secrete, and premium munis, you must amortize. That means that corporates and treasuries do not have to amortize. They can, they don't have to. Remember, amortizing is you're lowering the cost basis on the premium, and accretion is raising the cost basis yearly on a discount. So again, OID, you must secrete, and muni premiums must amortize. Nothing else have to. I know Achieval has a May Hammer, which is great. People remember it. I'm just throwing out different ways. Crime, commit crime. So when we talk about revenue bonds, there are certain covenants okay i couldn't think of the word duh so i couldn't think of the words so covenants right there's c for covenant literally my acronym says the name how do i not get that okay so c is for covenant so let's talk about the covenants crime i'll try to put in a thing here so crime c-r-i-m-e it's a crime that you're sitting there stuck in watching this okay so now and having to listen to my fucking shit so r is a rate covenant what does that mean that means we promise to charge a high enough rate to cover the debt service okay I is insurance. We promise to have insurance on the project in case it fails. I mean, so think about it, right? So let's think about this. Um, if we, I, I don't like using this, but when I was there, so I, I was in the building when it happened. So I guess I can use it. So when the World Trade Center fell, there the support authority bond. I mean, it's a revenue bond, rents paying it, right? Well, they're, they're no longer paying rents, obviously. So all the bondholders might be like, well, F you pay me. You, I, I have a bond, you have to pay me. So they have insurance on it. So the insurance kicks in and does a catastrophe call. So that's the I. They kick in insurance and they pay it off. You want to know it's there. They don't have to do it, but you kind of want that. You want that covenant saying it's there. Then the M, maintenance. We're going to take care of the bridge. They're going to take care of it. Like I tell the story all the time, the Golden Gate Bridge in San Fran, okay, is paint is red, right? It's an iconic thing, right? So every day it's paid, painted. It's not painted every day, like all. It's not painted the entire thing, but little Mario or Luigi, they start on one side, they work their way down, and then 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 when they get to the end of the bridge, they step to the other side and work their way down. It could take months or years to paint it, but every day at all points, it's always being painted. That's in the covenant that we're going to maintain it because people like that. They like the red bridge, so that's the thing on this. Okay, so we have C for covenant, we have R for rates, I for insurance. M for maintenance. We're going to take care of the project. There was a whole thing of bridges falling down like 15 years ago. There's a problem because nobody was maintaining them. And then last is engineering. Can the damn thing be built? So the way I remember this is engineering. Okay, so remember crime. Covenant, covenants, rate, insurance, maintenance, and engineering. Now think of the engineering. So the good one is, I think it's the Baltimore Bay Bridge. So there's like there's like parts of Maryland and then, Del and then a Delaware down here. Not Delaware, Virginia. I can't do this shit. So Virginia Beach is here. People wanted to go from here to here, but it's a lot of water. So they said, okay, we're going to build a bridge, like six-mile bridge. But the problem is Baltimore Harbor is in there. A lot of tankers go in. So they go, how are we going to build a bridge high enough to get the tankers through? And the guy goes, you don't need to go high enough. You go under. So they, what they do is they actually created a bridge. that was, And the, this is an engineering thing. Before you bought the damn revenue bond, you want to see this. It goes along on top of the water, not very high. And then it goes under the water for about, you know, maybe 500 feet, maybe a thousand under the water. So that's where the tankers can come in. Then it comes up, goes up, and then it goes under the water again so the tankers can get out. So boom, they have like a highway. And then that's it. So like when I was driving it the first time, I didn't know this and it's foggy out. I'm driving along, you know, maybe exceeding the speed limit a little bit uh, with my daughters. We're going to a field hockey tournament. And all of a sudden I see in front of me, it's foggy, a tanker. Right in front, and I'm like, where's the up? I'm going to hit this tanker. And then we just went under it. You don't see it. You just go under it. It's kind of cool. But that's in the engineering thing. Okay, so crime. Covenants, C for covenant, rate, insurance, maintenance, engineering. 
that's crime. That's for covenants. You want to see them on, remember, those are on revenue bonds, not GEO. Because GEO doesn't give a shit. They're just taking our taxes. Okay. If you see, let's do it this way. So basis points. Okay. So remember this 100, and I'll, again, I'll probably write this 100 basis points. So if you see 100 basis points, that equals $10 per bond or 1% or one point. So 100 basis points equals $10 equals 1% equals a point. It's hard to remember all that shit, right? It's really hard to remember the 100 basis points, right? It's really hard to remember 0.0001 straps. So I just remember every 100 basis points is 10 bucks. So if you make 50 basis points, you made five bucks, okay? 100 basis points equals 10. And if you made 50 basis points, you made half a percent and it moved half a point. So 100 basis points equals 10 bucks equals 1% equals a point, okay? Now, on treasuries, when you're quoting, we know that corporates are in eighths, right? So as my friend Tommy Turner, I give credit, Tommy Turner, when I worked on the stock exchange, okay, he, when he, we were talking about stuff, he goes, oh, the way I always remember to do it is corporations. Remember, corporations. So I like to put a word eighth in it. That reminds me that corporate use, use eighths, okay? Corporations. That's a nice little one. I like that. It's a little cute. Okay, thank you, Tommy Turner. Now, if you see a decimal or a dash in the quote, it's a treasury, which means it's out of 30 seconds. So if you see 98.25, that is not 98 and a quarter. That's 98 and 25, 30 seconds. And you have to do the math. Remember, I'm not doing the deep shit. I'm just doing, remember, if you see a decimal or dash, it's always a treasury, okay? Again, decimal or dash, it's always a treasury. And remember, corporations. Corporations mean that uh, corporate bonds are quoted in eighths. Now, let's not be dumb here. It's a, So it's an eighth, a quarter, three eighths, a half. Eighth, a quarter, three eighths, a half. And then five eighths, three quarters, seven eighths, a full. So eighths, so yes, we're in eighths, but a quarter is two eighths. We're not going to call it two eighths. I'm going to call it a quarter. Three eighths is good. Half is four eighths. We can do that. Okay, good. Now, remember, with current yield, that's always a good one, right? Okay, so current, okay, current yield, I use the word AMP, A-M-P, A-M-P. And that's my friend Greg who's came up with that. We were talking, he goes, the way I remember is AMP. Give him credit, right? Okay, A-M-P annual over market price. So remember, electricity, current is electricity. And what do we use to measure electricity? We use amps to regulate. Okay, we use amps to do that. So annual over market price. Boom. Annual over market price. AMP. That's the current yield. Annual over market price. That's for whether it's a bond or a preferred or stock. Well, stock could be dividend, but it's still annual income over market price. Okay, and remember something. So remember this in length. But bills, notes, bonds, tips, and strips. What are they? Those are treasuries. They're the only things. Well, we'll get into that. We'll, we'll leave that. Up. Okay. Okay. The shorter something is and the safer it is, the more liquid it is. Remember, so if they ask about liquidity, the shorter it is and the safer it is, the more liquid it is. So T-bills are really fucking liquid, right? And they're safe. So, so the shorter something is, the more liquid it is. Keep that in mind. The shorter something is, the more liquid it is. Okay? Keep Again. The shorter something is, the more liquid it is. Okay. So now let's talk about something. So of all the bonds, and this isn't this is bonds, but it could be in taxes, but we're going to come back to that. If you have there, are, everything is fully taxable. Mutual funds are taxed. Everything's fully taxable at every level, except for seven things. Seven. There's seven areas. I'm missing a finger. There are seven things. Boom, boom, boom. Okay. So remember, bills, notes, bonds, tips, and strips. Bills, notes, bonds, tips, and strips. Those are the treasuries. And then geos and revenues. That's it. Bills, notes, bonds, tips, and strips, geos and revenues. Those are taxed not on every level. So bills, notes, bonds, tips, and strips are taxed on the federal level, not the state level. Okay. 
And unis are taxed on the state level and not the federal level. And they might not even be taxed in their own state. Okay. So again, bills, notes, bonds, tips, and strips. And that's short to long also. Bills are short-term, notes are midterm. So bills are a year or less, one, two, three, four, six months a year. Then T notes are two to 10 years. Bonds are up to 30 years. Tips are treasury inflation protection securities. They are th up to 30 years. They adjust the par value for inflation and strips are long-term zeros. So they're very, very volatile. Okay. Since we're on the whole treasuries and stuff like that. Now let's think about this. So the way I remember everything is entities tax themselves. Okay. Entities tax themselves. And that kind of resonates, right? So treasury bonds pay federal, munis pay state. Entities tax themselves. Treasuries pay federal, munis pay state, and they may not even have to pay state. I know I went backwards a little bit, but we're good. Okay. Okay, so we have two more that may or may not show up. The, the, what happens is, yeah, I'm stuttering an asshole, right? So I'm just stuttering my ass off. So when a muni bond, okay, is being allocated, okay? So once we got decided, we've, we've done the official notice of sale and all that crap. So we have, um, we have to decide who's going to get the bonds. Remember, retail always comes first. The issuer can decide who retail is, all that stuff. But then we have to decide who's going to get it. And I haven't seen it a lot on the exam, but I'm going to put it here anyway, just in case. So I always remember pretty girls drive Mercedes, okay? Pro golfers don't miss, pretty girls drive Mercedes. Please God deliver me on the desk, whatever it is, whatever you want to remember. So this is the order of allocation when a, an issue, an underwriter is deciding who gets bonds if it's over allocated. So it's pre-sale, the order's taken before you've won the deal. Group, which is just everyone shares. That's after we've been announced as a dinner, as the winner, the dinner, dinner, don't call me late for dinner, Um, the winner. Um, designated is where, um, the person, we don't share the commissions and then member orders are for like the firm. Okay. So pretty girls drive Mercedes. That's the order of allocation. Probably. I'm not going to go too deep into it. Probably not on exam, but you never know. So pretty girls drive Mercedes pre-sale, then group, then designated and member. Now on another one, we talk about rates, the different types of rates. That is, there's a lot of them, but I'm going to do the clean one. Pretty boys drive Ferraris. Okay. Pretty boys drive Ferraris. So that's high to low. Prime rate is the top one. That's what the banks lend to their best customers, not me. Um, then we have the discount rate, which is where I thought did pretty see, even I jump around. So we have the prime rate, which is the banks lend to their best customers, not me. Then we have the, the broker loan rate, which is what the banks lend to broker dealers from margin. Okay. And then we have the discount rate, which is what the Fed, the Federal Reserve lends to the banks. And then below that, we have the Fed funds, which is bank to make overnight lending. I always think they should switch them, but whatever. So pretty boys drive Ferraris. Prime rate's the highest. Broker loan rate is the next. Discount rate is below that. And then Fed funds. And the only one that the Fed controls is the discount rate, not the Fed funds. Okay. I like that. On that note, since I mentioned the Federal Reserve, let's talk about that a little bit. Okay. So now we have different, we have all the different, um, the cycles and stuff like that, expansion, peak, contraction, trough. I don't have a thing for that. But during expansion, the um, the Federal Reserve on a monetary policy, they, the Federal Reserve will try to control the economy a little bit. This, look, they don't want scoop. They want smooth, up a little, stay up for a little while, drop a little bit, go up. They want a constant movement up, but they know there's going to be dips. They want to be dipped to be less painful. And the only way to do that is to not have the, the good go really crazy. So, the Federal Reserve, under monetary policy, has certain tools they can do. And these tools are DORM, D-O-R-M, okay? And I'll even say a, a fifth M, DORM, okay? 
the first rate is a discount rate. We just talked about it. They can raise or lower the discount rate. So during expansion, they will raise the rates. Okay. Then peak, they will start lowering because we don't want a hard drop. But you have, you have a soft landing. They do. They want a nice, slow contraction. Now, so D is a discount rate. They can affect the discount rate. That's the only rate they can do, but it affects the short-term rates. Then we have O, open market operations. O is open market operations. That is them buying and selling treasuries, repos, stuff like that. So when it's expanding, they'll sell treasuries, okay? Ah, so let's think about this. During expansion, they will raise rates and sell. So during expansion, they will raise and sell, okay? Now the other, so we'll come back to, no, now we'll come back to that. So now the third tool is a reserve requirement, which allows for like, um, that's when the bank has to have on deposit all times. I have a video I can try to put in here called fractional banking explaining that, okay? The thing with that is that you're never going to touch that because there's multiplier effect. If you raise it by 1%, you could cause fucking shit down the road, okay? So D-O-R, D, discount rate, open market ops, R is reserve requirement, and the, the M is margin. That's the 50% reg T and all that. They're not touching that, okay? They're not going to touch that because it doesn't affect as much people. And I'll add the... The second M into it, moral suasion. Okay. That's when the Fed, that's when Jamal Powell or whoever the Fed is when you're watching this, um, after they do the rate decision, they come out and talk or they come out, he does meetings and he says stuff like, oh, the economy is great, but we could raise it. Like he does stuff like that. That affects the market. If you ever watch him speak, next time you see the rate decision come out, which whenever, it should be soon, right? Or if it just happened, whatever. Um, it depends when you're watching it. It's either just happened or it's going to happen. I'm prescient. Okay. Now, after the rate decision, the market will move. Then watch. He has a meeting after every day where every, after he does it, he has a meeting. And watch what he says changes the market again. I watched once where he did a rate decision. The market went up 400 points. And then he started talking. It dropped 300. Or it was actually negative 200 at the time. So that's moral suasion when they speak. So remember, dorm, dorm with an M. But I'm just going to stick with dorm for now. Just know moral suasion is a thing. Um, and what is they do the do the D and the O are the only ones they really do. They do the moral suasion. So it kind of throws my little shit off, but I wanted to have it in there. So they do the do, they do the discount rate and they do the open market ops. That's what they do mostly. Okay. The R and the M they never touch. And moral suasion is probably not testable on what they do. Cause that's just kind of like, Ooh, Obi-Wan, you know, Jedi mind control to get you to do things. Okay. So during expansion, they sell treasuries and raise rates. So they raise and sell. During contraction, they buy and lower. So remember that. So they during during expansion, they raise and sell. And during contraction, they lower and buy. Or they buy and lower. They buy treasuries from the banks and they lower. Good. Okay. Now, the, I always ask this. Do we want a strong dollar or a weak dollar? Well, we say we want a strong dollar, but we kind of want a weak dollar. Like one of our presidents said, who I won't mention on here, um, he said China is a currency manipulator. So what they're saying is that China keeps lowering their currency down. Why do they do that? Okay, why do they lower their currency? Because money flows downhill. That's my line. Money flows downhill. So money goes to the lowest common denominator in a way. So if you keep lowering the yuan, people start buying their products. Because remember, 90% of the people in China will never leave the country. So the yuan going up or down affects them not at all. Okay, because we buy their shit. They don't buy our shit. Not as much. So if they keep lowering the yuan, we manufacturers like, oh, it's easier to buy the products there because it's cheaper. So money flows downhill. So that means if if we if the dollar gets weak, we export more because the money will come to us. We export more. If the money go if the dollar goes up, we're going to import more because our money's worth more. So money flows downhill. 
Now let's jump on. We've left the economy. Now we're going to get a little bit. There's not a lot on equity. There's more on options and stuff, but not a, a lot, not a lot on equity. But here we go. So remember DERP. DERP. What the hell is DERP? DERP is the order of uh, not the order of liquidation. Jesus Christ. It's the order of timeline. It's the timeline. Oh my God. Okay. So now we're doing equity. It's not a lot. There's only one that I can think of. I can't remember other ones, but DERP. Oh, I do have another one I can name. DERP is the timeline for de for um for dividends okay so declaration is first and when they do the declaration they set the record date and the x day is the day before the record date the business day before the record date and the payable date is the day they pay so it's derp so now derp now it's declaration x record payable x is the day before the record date remember x means without ex-girlfriend ex-wife ex-dividend means without okay um now they only set the declaration, the record, and the payable. The exchanges, based on settlement, set the X date. If they change the record, they change the settlement date, the X date changes. When I first started, it was like the week before because it was like T plus five. Okay, so now, okay, we got the whole derp thing, right? Declaration X, record payable, we're good stuff. Now, for inflation, the best inflation finding tool is equities by far. Equity beats inflation. Yeah, tips do it a little bit, but anything equity related, right? So best inflation finding tips are equity. So that's like, Mutual funds that have equity, variable annuities, um, stock, ETFs, stuff like that. Okay. Now into the opciones. Now I'm not going to give you stuff, but I have a lot of easy little tweaks to remember shit. Okay. So let's start with, we know the whole call up, put down, right? Call up, put down. That tells you when an option is by itself, there's two ways call up, put down works. Couple. Call up, put down. So call up means that break even on a call is strike plus premium. Up, up, up. Okay. And put down means break even on a put is down, 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 strike minus premium. So call up, put down. Also tells you where intrinsic or in the money is, right? Intrinsic is in the money and in the money is intrinsic. They're the same fucking thing, okay? So the amount of, so if you have a call, the amount above the call is the intrinsic, okay? Anything above the call doesn't matter. Remember, intrinsic doesn't care whether you bought or sold or your premium. They don't give a shit. It is literally has nothing to do with you. Intrinsic has nothing to do with you. It is literally everything above the strike price, okay, on a call or everything where the market price is below the strike price on a put. It is literally that, okay? Now, the other part of this, again, break even, call up, put down. It's opposite when there's hedging, but also think when you do straddle, when you do spreads, right? Even straddles, right? So if you have a straddle, buy a call, buy a put, right? Right? So you're going to do you're gonna do the total premium plus call up, up, and then put down. Oh, God, it works all the time. What about spreads when you're doing break even? If it's a call spread, you add to the lower. That's call up. And if it's and if it's a put spread, you subtract from the bottom. That's put down. Boom. Not a big deal. Pretty good. Call up, put down works a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot. Okay. When you're opening an account, remember data 15. I came up with this one. Data 15. Remember that. Disclosure, then approval, then trade, then options agreement 15 days later. Again, the DATO. Before you open the account, you first of all, you got to make sure it's suitable. Fine. So DATO, disclosure, then approval then trade, then the options agreement 15 days later. Don't get fooled by that. What happens if you don't return the uh, options agreement in 15 days? Literally nothing. But that just means if you want to add to your positions, you can't. You can only liquidate or do closing positions. I love it. Okay. Okay. If you hear the word buy, buy, own, hold, long, debit mean the same thing. Buy, own, hold, long, debit means the same thing. So then sell, short, write, credit means the same thing okay 
So if you have a debit call spread, that means you bought a spread. Or if they say you're long a spread, a long a call spread, it means it's a debit spread. If they say you're short a spread, then it's then it's a credit spread. Okay. And that on that spread, let's do a couple of things. How do you recognize stuff? Okay, so let's go with, as Tina said, and I said I give credit. Okay, Tina said bed spread. What does that mean, bed spread? So BS, BS, bed spread. Oh, there we go, bed spread. BS, bed spread. That's how you'd recognize a spread. It's a buy and a sell, two calls or two puts. A straddle is buy a call, buy a put, or sell a call, sell a put. So unspreads, the action is different, but the options are the same. Unstraddles, the action is the same, but the options are different. Again, I'm not doing visuals here. Just throw shit out so you can listen to it so it's on the podcast and all that shit. So again, bed spread, buy, sell, same option to spread. Same action, different options. It's a straddle. Different actions, same options. It's a spread. And also on the straddle. Remember, short straddle stability. SSS, the three S's. Short straddle stability. Short straddle stability. If you remember that, it's a short straddle. I want stability. So then obviously, if a long straddle, I want volatility. I love it. Okay. Spreads. Sometimes they give you spreads. These are little things, right? So if you do a spread, sometimes they won't give you premiums. So here's one. If you buy the lower strike, it doesn't matter if it's a call or a put. If you buy the lower strike, it's bullish. No matter what, whether it's a call spread or put spread. If you find the lower strike, if you bought it, you're bullish. If you sold it, you're bearish. Remember, buy the lower strike, you're bullish. Okay. Now, don't forget, if you want more shit like this, remember, every Tuesday and Thursday night, 8.30 p.m. Eastern, I do a live Q&A. A lot of people say they don't know about it. Let's get on it. I had like 75 people on it the other night, which is insane. Okay. Now. Uh, sticking with the spread. So we know by the lower strike price, you're bullish always. Now, if you if they want to know what the dominant is and they don't give you premium, yes, higher premium is always a dominant. We know that. That's just a given, okay? So now, if you have two calls, okay, so what's better? So a call is the right to buy. So if you have two spreads, the lower strike is the dominant. Because why? why? The lower strike is a dominant on a call. The higher strike is a dominant on a put. Again, the lower strike is a dominant on a call, and the higher is a dominant on a put because a call is the right to buy, so I'd rather buy lower than higher. You're always looking for the better option. That's what I say all the time. Look for the better option. The lower strike call or the higher strike put, those are the dominant, and they dictate, right? So if the lower strike call is a bear, is, is a sell, then it's a credit spread. If the lower strike call is a buy, then it's a debit spread. If they say they give you the same strike prices, what the hell am I going to do? Longer month. The farther month is always the dominant. This is what I try to tell everyone. It is literally the better option. A, a lower call is better than a higher call. A put, a higher put is better than a lower put. And the longer month, because the longer you have, the better the option is. Maybe more expensive, but it's a better option. That's why. So the longer option, so it's the lower call or the higher put or the longer, the farther expiration month. I love it. Now, remember, whenever you're doing break evens and stuff, if you see different things, so like, when, when you're doing break even on a hedge, okay, or even figuring out what to do with the premiums, right? So in hedging, buy call, sell put, stuff like that. When you're long stock and sell call or buy a put, how do I know? How do I do it? Always remember, break even is always stock. Stock rules, stock is king. Whenever you have hedging, stock is king. If you're long the stock, you're always bullish. If you're short stock, always fucking bears. Always, okay? So then if you if you have a buy and a sell, well, how do we do break, uh, break evens? So it's always stock, not strike. It's always a stock plus or minus your premium. Remember that. It's always a stock plus or minus your premium, not the strike price. Whenever there's stock in an option, stock rules, and it's always stock plus or minus premium, always. But Ken, how do we figure it out? Very easy. Remember, 
Remember this mantra. If it's the same, you add. If it's different, you subtract. Remember, if it's the same, you add. If it's different, you subtract. So if you see a buy and a buy or a sell and a sell, you're adding. If it's a buy and a sell, you subtract. Again, same, add, different, subtract. Same, add, different, subtract. So now that helps on also the straddles, spraddles, straddles and spreads. So if you have a spread, it's a buy and a sell. So you're subtracting the premiums from each other. If it's a straddle, it's two buys or two sells. So you're adding the premiums. Boom. Okay. So if it's the same action, you add. If it's different action, you subtract. Super easy. Re-listen to this. I actually have a break-even video. Maybe I'll link it here. I have no idea. Okay. Now, always remember, you buy for protection, you sell for income. Now, there are other reasons to buy. Buy for speculation. But when you have stock, remember, if you're long stock, you either sell a call or buy a put. No other choices. Remember, if you're long stock, you sell a call or you buy a put. There are no other choices. Okay? And you say, remember, okay, so then go to the next stupid thing you're going to say. Buy for protection, sell for income. So if you see long stock and I hear income or supplement or add cash, I know I'm selling something. And if I'm long stock, the only thing I can sell is a call. And then if I hear protection or hedge, so I say this also, buyers are hip, hedge, insure, protect. Buyers are hip, hedge, insure, protect. So if you're long stock and you hear the word hedge, insure, protect, you are buying a put, okay? You're buying a put because protection means buy. And if you're long, the only thing you can do is buy a put or sell a call. And I had to heard the word buy a protection, so I'm buying an option. If you hear income or, or cash or yield or supplement, it means you're adding money, so it means you're selling a call. And that goes back to the break even now. So if I buy stock and buy a put, oh, they're both buys. So it's, strike, it's stock plus premium because same you add, different you subtract. Since I did the long, let's do the short. If I'm short stock, I'm bearish. So there are two options I can do. I can either buy a call for protection or sell a put for income. Buy a call for protection, sell put for income. So if I'm long stock, long, I buy a put to protect, sell a call for income. Jump to the short side. If I'm short stock, I'm going to buy a call for protection or sell a put for income. Boom. Okay. Now, and I'll say it again. If you're long stock, you're always bullish. And if you're short stock, you're always bearish. I like it. Okay. Now, whenever, let's go a little, a couple more things on options and then we'll move on. Okay. So now, if I sell an option, short, right, whatever it is, I am looking for it to expire. I want it to expire because I have the money. Damn crooked eye. I want it to expire. Okay. So if I sell an option, sell a call, sell a put, doesn't freaking matter. I want it to expire because I keep the premium. Because that's the thing. Whenever you sell something, the most you can make is what you got pretty much. And whenever you buy something, the most you could lose is what you spent. Okay. You can never lose more than you spent and you can never lose gain more than you got. Okay. So if you buy a call or buy a put, the most you can lose is the premium. And if you sell a call or sell a put, the most you can make is the premium. So if I'm a, if I'm selling an option, I want it to die. So whenever I sell an option, I want it to die. This is what I couldn't remember before. Thank God. Okay. If, if you hear the word covered or uncovered, both covered and uncovered means that you're selling an option. Okay. It means the option is being sold. Covered means it's with a stock position. Uncovered means it's by itself. Okay. So again, covered and uncovered both means you sold an option of some sort. If you, if it's, if it's with a stock position or some sort of protection on it, then it's a covered option. And if it's all by itself, it's uncovered. Think if you're naked, ooh, you don't think that way. It, naked means uncovered, right? Because if you're naked, you don't have any covers on. So naked options are when you sell options and there's no stock position. Remember that you can't buy an uncovered option. It has to be selling an option. Okay. Also, easy stuff. When you do an option problem, 
I never give a shit where the stock is trading when I put it on. So if they go, oh, you bought a 50 call at four when the stock is trading at you know 51, I don't care. I do not care where the stock was trading when I put it on. I care where it went. So if they say, oh, you bought it when it's trading at 52 or something like that, I don't care. Don't give a shit. Fuck that. I don't care. Just move on. I don't care about that. So I never care where the stock is when I put the option on. Never. Last one on this, Epic. Epic. Exporters by puts, importers by calls. This is not mine. This has been around forever. Exporters by puts, importers by calls. When shit works, just stick with it, right? Okay. If I'm an exporter, U.S. exporter, I'm going to buy puts on the foreign currency. If I'm an importer, I'm going to buy calls on the foreign currency. Again, exporters by puts, importers by calls. Exporters, U.S. exporters by puts on the foreign currency, importers by calls on the foreign currency. So wait, Ken, why are there no options on the U.S. currency? Because you're the shit, baby. We're the shit. USA, America, baby. We are the shit. No, really? It's because right now we're the reserve currency and there are no options on us. We're the dollar. Strong. We're the buck. Everyone swirls around us. All the other currencies move up and down versus us. So if we actually say the dollar's weakening, it's not. Fucking it. Card. Viagra for currency, right? So what happens is it's the other currencies going up and down. And they so if they go up, we're weakening. But we're not. We're strong. Boom. Okay. And we go up and down. Okay. Now, now if they give God forbid they give you a foreign current foreign exporter, just do the opposite. Okay. So if remember, no options on the US currency, not a thing. Boom. Okay. Viagra. So now if I if I'm a foreign exporter. And I am going to export to the U.S. I'm going to buy calls on my currency. because So remember, so an exporter, U.S. exporter is by puts on the foreign currency. So the foreign exporter by calls on the foreign currency. They do the ECF. I just, it's fine. But I just think figure out can do the opposite. It's just as easy. Okay. Okay. We're getting near the end. You hope, thank you for suffering through this with me. Okay. Now let's talk about annuities a little bit. Okay. So remember the difference between an annuity and insurance. Okay. A new, first of all, all new, annuities are non-qualified. Remember that all annuities are non-qualified unless they say otherwise, okay? All annuities are non-qualified unless they say otherwise. And they will say, they will legitimately say it. If they don't mention it, assume non-qualified. Okay, annuities pay you until you die. So annuities, you set it up and it's retirement account, it pays you till you die. Insurance pays when you die, okay? So insurance pays when you die, that's life insurance. Annuities pay until you die. That's the biggest difference between them, okay? Okay, let's jump into this. Trading. Okay. Remember, stops protect, limits don't. Remember that. Stops protect, limits don't. Say that with me. Stops protect, limits don't. Also, slobs over bliss. We've heard this a million times. Slobs over bliss, right? So remember, stops protect, limits don't. So slobs, meaning sell limits and buy stops are placed above the market or the last sale. Buy limits and sell stops are placed below. So if you hear something like take a profit or get into position, maybe it's a limit order. But if you hear like protect a loss or protect a gain, it has to be a stop, okay? And if you're long stock, you either do a sell limit or a sell stop. Oh, wait, long, and I'm going to sell things. That works. If you're long something, you own it, so you can only sell things, okay? Then if you're short stock, you can do buying things, right? So if I'm short, I can do a buy stop or a buy limit. Buy limit to take a profit, buy stop to protect. If I'm long stock, I do a sell limit to uh, take a profit, sell stop to protect. I have videos on that too. Also, ABC, PDM, ABC, one, two, three. ABC is agent, broker, commission. They go together. If they're acting as an agent, they're acting as a broker, they're charging a commission. They go together. If they're acting, and PDM, principal dealer markup. PDM, principal dealer markup, okay? So if you're acting as a principal, you're, you're acting as a dealer, 
and you're charging a markup or markdown, or you use the word market maker if you want to do PDMM. Okay. If you see inventory, some people say PIDM, principal inventory dealer markup. All these things kind of go together. Now, remember, broker dealers are called broker dealers. They're not brokers, they're not called dealers. Broker dealers are a broker dealer because they can do both. Not every firm can do both, but as a general rule, broker dealers can act as a broker or a dealer, not on the same transaction but they can act as both a broker and a dealer on different transactions. Little regulation action. Okay, remember, remember, if we, Reg D, we got the Reg D, right? Restricted shares, okay? So remember, to buy restricted shares, you have to be accredited. How do I know what accredited is? One, two, three, accredited. One, two, three, accredited. I think that's Greco too. One million net worth, 200 salary, three. so one million net worth or 200 salary single, 300 salary miserable, I mean married. Okay, so again, one, two, three accredited, 1 million net worth, not including house and home and all that crap, 200 salary and you expect it to keep going or 300 if you're married. Also, they added in, if you have the series seven or 65 and or the 82, you are considered accredited, okay? You also have to be sophisticated, but just remember one, two, three accredited. That's for accreditation. Now, MISPERMS is for the act of 1934. 1934 is MISPERMS. So let's go, this is an acronym. I have videos on this. So we start with M, for manipulation, okay, misperms. M is manipulation. It regulates all the manipulation in the in the market, and that's what the SEC is doing. I insiders it defined who the insiders were. I'm not going to it. I have videos on this. S is created the SEC. The other S is short sale rules. You have to get a borrow, locate all that shit. P proxy rules. That means you let somebody else vote on your behalf. E the exchanges and broker dealers had to register with the SEC prior to 34. They didn't have to do that. R reports 10Q quarterly. 10K annual, 8K like in between. Those are for all registered issuers have to file that shit every quarter and every year. And the second M is um, margin. That's Reg T. They gave all manner of money. All money that's between broker dealer and customer is in charge of the Federal Reserve Board. They set Reg T. There's two things that are Reg T, right? Reg T is the 50% margin requirement. We got that when you deposit. Also, settlement. So when you buy stock, you buy it on Monday, it settles on. If you buy stock on Monday... It settles on um, Wednesday. Jesus Christ. I mean, you buy stock on Monday, it settles T plus two, but you actually don't have to pay for it till Friday. So reg T is T plus four for right now, okay? That means the customer has four days to pay for it. The broker deal is settle up on T plus two. Okay, then the last S is stabilization. That allows the underwriter to buy the stock when there's a new issue, to buy the stock at the, uh, the IPO or the POP price or a little bit lower. To, to stabilize it. It's actually the only legal form of manipulation there is. Okay. Um, Big sacks. That's for order retention, right? Look, this is what I do. Everything is three years. Boom. I just go, if you're not sure, three years retention. Order retention, three years. Complaints are four. Anything anti-money laundering is five. And then big sacks. Remember, BGSCS. Blotter, general ledger. Blotter is a trade. Blotter list of all the trades. General ledger is the money going in out. Stock records, and customer information, those are all six years. So Blotter, General Ledger, Stock Records, Customer Information. That's BG, Blotter, General, B, Blotter, G, General Ledger, S, Stock Records, and C, Customer Information. Those are all six years. And any, and then also Muni Customer Complaints. That's MSRB Customer Complaints. I never see a question on that. Now, moving on. Um, also, I'm stuttering. Lifetime shit is anything what they call formation docs, Okay. Like board minutes, the articles of incorporation, or the partnership minutes of the broker dealer, not of the firms are trading in. 
of the broker-dealer, how they created the firm. All that shit is lifetime plus three years after they go out of business. Okay, we're going to go back a little bit. I should probably put this here. But if you're going to buy shares, either your control person or you're restricted, you're going to follow 144 rules. Now, if it's restricted shares, you just hold it for six months and then do whatever you want. But if you're a control person, remember, a control person, if it's for listed security, does not have a holding period. But they have to have the they have the volume restrictions, okay? And these volume restrictions are super easy. One four four, one four four, one four four. You can sell the greater of one percent of the outstanding, the four weeks trading volume, four times a year. Wow, it's in the rule. Rule one forty four. You can sell the greater of one percent of the outstanding, past four weeks trading volume, four times a year. And most of the time, the test doesn't make you do the math in the four weeks. They just give it to you, and you got to compare. So that's what you can do every ninety days. Okay. Fum, okay, the Investment Company Act in 1940, it's F-U-M. They yank you again, Greco. F-U-M, F is face amount certificates, U is unit investment trust, M is management companies, which is open and closed and ETFs. Okay, no, by the way, no fucking REITs in here. You see, there's no REITs in there. Even though they sound it, remember, there's no REITs. F-U-M, face amount certificates, unit investment trust, management companies, F-U-M. That's the Investment Company of 1940. Okay. Remember, I did this already, but we're going to bring it up again. Everything is T plus two, except for treasuries and options. Okay. Everything is T plus two, except for treasuries and options. So now treasuries, it's T plus one and options is T plus Treasuries and options are both T plus one. But now when you trade an option, it's T plus one. That's good. But now if it's exercise, it's different. Okay. So if it's an index option, it's T plus one, no matter what. Exercise trading doesn't matter. If it's an equity option, trading is T plus one, but exercise, since you're buying or selling stock, is actually T plus two, just like buying stuff. Love it. Okay. Now we're on to the old the hated taxes. Okay. So remember, everything about a mutual fund is taxable. Everything about a mutual fund is taxable. And when you pay out, you pay taxes, even if you reinvest. If you move from one fund, to, and if you stay in the same family of funds and you move from one fund to another, it's still taxable if you sold it for more than you bought it for. Literally, everything about a mutual fund is taxable. They don't defer shit. Remember, everything is ordinary income. I love these. Everything is ordinary income, except for three things. Three things. Everything is ordinary income, except for three things. A buy and a sell, that's a capital gain or loss. Option expiration, that's a capital gain or loss. And a the annual capital gains distribution from mutual fund, that's a capital gain. Everything else is ordinary income. Retirement accounts, ordinary income. D dividends from REITs, ordinary income. Dividends for anything, ordinary income. Now, yes, a qualified dividend, if you hold it for more than 60 days, before and after the X day, you pay a lower rate, but it's still ordinary income. It's just taxed like the capital gains rate. Okay, regs. If it's not in writing, it didn't happen. So basically, if they say, oh, you can get verbal anything, that's not a thing. FINRA, everything, and if, if it's not in writing, it didn't happen. So keep that way when you think about the, uh, the stuff. Also, I forgot. No regulator ever approves anything ever. No regulator ever approves anything ever. So that means when you do shit and you see they would approve from a regulator, the answer is no. They do not approve anything. They may declare it efficient. When you think about registration, you have to think of the most cover your ass comment you can think of. Literally just, I don't care. It's like they're, they're all they're saying is, hey, you filled out the paperwork. It's like when you buy a gun in a, in a country, the states where you can. Hey, all, they filled out the paperwork, they paid the fee, and they're not a felon. Yeah, sure, give him a gun license. They're not saying whether he's good or not. They're just saying he filled out the paperwork. That is literally it. Okay. 
If you hear the word tax-free, obviously going to munis and all that, but if you hear the word tax-efficient, remember this, tax-efficient means ETF or common stock. Because remember, if you hold an ETF, it doesn't really pay a lot of dividends. So there's no tax events until you get rid of it. Mutual funds, remember, mutual funds and, and all the closed-end funds pay out dividends all the time, which are taxable even if reinvested. So a tax efficiency is an ETF because if you hold it long enough, you pay a much lower rate on your, because it's long-term gains, is going to be taxed at a 15 or 20% rate and say, don't pay a lot of dividends. You're not going to have a lot of tax liability going forward. Same thing with a lot of common stock. Like growth stocks are tax efficient. Stock is tax efficient. Even the dividends they pay, if they do pay dividends, after a while, they're taxed at a much lower rate, the 15 or 20%. Just not so bad. Okay, just some random shit. And if the time horizon is everything, remember, as far as suitability goes, time horizon is everything. Time horizon is everything. Time horizon is everything. Just remember that. And anything under five years, anything under five years, you don't do equity. Yeah, in real world, yes. But under five years, you shy away from equity. If you hear the word safety, if you hear the word safety as primary or safety, it's a treasury every fucking time, okay? If you hear safety, it's a treasury. If you hear safety, it's a treasury. I can't say that enough. And anything under five years, you're not doing equity or common stock, okay? Now, if you want more reward, you need more risk. That makes sense. If you want more, re more reward, means more risk. But here's the thing. Remember this. Every time they, the issuer offers you something else, like making it convertible, making it participating, or cumulative, or, or protected, or insured, all of that means lower yield. And so the usually the basic whatever, like the basic callable preferred is going to be the highest yield. Anytime you make it non-callable, cumulative, convertible, participating, any of that shit, insured, not that they can, but all that stuff, that's going to lower the return you get because they're saying, hey, listen, we're giving you this shit. We're going to pay you less. That's the reason they do it. They do it to lower their rate. So anytime they offer you something to make that anything better for the investor is going to lower the yield. If you see the word convertible in a question, this is, I, I kind of joke about this, but if you're taking a question and you literally can't figure out what the answer is and convertible is there, take it. It's right, it's right way more than it isn't, okay? So again, if this is not, if, if you see another answer that's better than take it, but if you see um, that, a, that a, all that you can't figure it out and convertible is there, take it. It's probably right more than it isn't. Okay, I guess that's it, but I'm going to bring up one more thing. So when you when you go to take your test, guerrilla style, that's what we're going to call this, guerrilla style. Now I got it, guerrilla style. Now, when you go to or take it like a savage, right? So we're going to call this video guerrilla style seven. But when you go to take the test, remember, you're going there, take your time. If you don't know it, a couple of things we're going to throw in there. If you're taking the exam and you're doing the questions and you're truly 50-50 and you can't get it, yeah, mark for review. But if, if you're 70-30, just pick the 70, move on. Also, I say this to everyone, before you hit submit, just go back and check the first five because that's when you're still gearing up to the wording and you're getting used to stuff. When I do questions with people, sometimes I go the first four, three or four, they're getting wrong and they're just getting used to the wording. And I'm like, uh oh, we're going to have to push your test. And then boom, they rattle off like 15 in a row. So usually the first five is really the, the biggest risk. But remember something, don't change your goddamn answer unless it's punch you in the face wrong. Like literally you'll go like this reading, go, oh my God, Ken, what were you fucking thinking? Like, seriously, it has to be like, oh, my God, did you even read the question? You dumbass. That's when you change it. If it's like, oh, it might be. It's never the oh, it might be. I promise you. It's never the oh, it might be. OK, guys, thank you very much. I hope that was good. Real quick. I hope it didn't take too long. I have no idea how long this video is going to be. I'm going to edit it down and cut it down to like two minutes. No, we'll do that. I'll see you every Tuesday and Thursday night. Boom. Don't forget to like, subscribe and share this shit.
if it doesn't offend you. Have a great night. Wash your hands. Y'all have a good night.